Well, uh, got good news for you this morning. We have a very special guest. Uh, we have a special speaker this morning. He came all the way from Camden. And um, so, no, listen, uh, Pastor Brian's going to come and he's going to preach today. And uh, I know it's been a while since I've heard him, too. So the bishop. L- l- listen, here's the big thing is, uh, you know, uh, some of you guys are new, but obviously Pastor Brian and, and Miss Leah, they, they are the ones that actually originally planted this church uh, 12 years ago, 12 years ago, 2004. Uh, and so, you know, the big thing uh, for me, obviously, you know, you guys know Jennifer and I are really close to them, uh, but we just really want to honor uh, the anointing and the calling that's on his life. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to, to hearing uh, one of my uh, spiritual pops preach this morning. And so, anyways, if y'all can, just give him a hand. Well, thank you for having me this morning. I have uh, something that I'd like to do uh, before I minister. Uh, Quentin and Jen, if you guys could come up here, and Leah. Part of what I'm speaking about today is it's a big deal to uh, transition a church from one leader to another. Um, it's, it's a big deal for the body. It's a big deal for all of the parties involved, really. And uh, there are some things that I feel need to be done um, to set things in order and and then communicate it in such a way that it's clear to everybody involved. And then we come into alignment with God's expectations for the way forward. Obviously, over the last eight months or whatever it's been, there's been a lot of speculation and thoughts concerning the transitions that have taken place. But today I would like to speak over Quentin and Jen and release uh, them into the ministry here and release them from the expectations that they might assume that I have over them. Um, so, or Leah. Um, this is an amazing couple. Um, we've been together for a long time. Um, we have a great relationship. Um, in North Carolina, our roles were different, and we're trying to get accustomed to the shifting of those roles. Um, I was his boss there. Um, I'm not his boss any longer. And so that shift is a transition of trajectory, which I'll be speaking about a little bit today. And I think to make declaration of that publicly helps us to all come into alignment with what God's desire is for us going forward. I'm not sure if he's my boss now or what, but um, Leah's boss for sure. She works in the office. So so I want to say to you from Leah and I, um, very pleased with how you're conducting yourselves, um, how that you have, not just in this last few months, but over the course of of your ministry time, you have let God transition you and change you and transform you. Um, you're not a quitter. Um, you guys are very resilient in all that you have done. 
Um, you have gone through difficult times. You have faced obstacles in ministry um, through different peers, different leadership that's been over you um, that I know distinctly has been very difficult for you. Yet I saw you recalibrate, shift, recalibrate. Sometimes you just had to agree to disagree. Um, but you remain consistent in the call that's upon your life. And I believe that because of that, that those decisions along the way have brought you to such a time as this. We desire for you to be unhindered in your path forward in that the expectations that we would have over you to carry on our legacy are virtually non-existent. Um, Obviously, there's preferences, and we've actually had quite a lot of conversation about those preferences, um, but that's part of the shift. It's a part of letting go and embracing um, what God is doing now. All of us have to do that. We have to let go of what was, um, and we have to embrace what God is doing current. Um, and none of us really know exactly what that's going to be. But when God's involved, usually it's pretty awesome. So, uh, so we're going we're gonna to release you into that. Um, I'm fully expecting things to shift. I desire things to shift. We desire things to be different the season that I was in charge um, here, uh, Leo and I was establishing the church, was a different season than the season now. The last four years, a different season than the season now. The season now, God is in his infinite wisdom and understanding of where this church is and where he desires for it to go, has chosen you as a couple to come and lead. And so um, acknowledging that, we desire to release you today from expectations of our former relationship and our relationship going forward will be much different. Um, it will cause both of us, all of us, to um, you know, recalibrate. It will cause us to search deeply within ourselves to find the direction of the Lord for this season of our life. It will cause us to shift the way that we think and the way that we interact with one another. None of those things, bad things, but they're all um, included in the process of us becoming what God is destined for us to be. And then this body being ministered to in an effective um, and life-changing way. Um, that life change is up to Jesus, but it's also up to you guys to help facilitate that. And then releasing um, authority to different leadership personnel to help you to facilitate that process going forward, which we have a rich uh, heritage of of leadership, and and, uh, and that's ever-expanding and growing, and I'm sure will shift uh, as you get more accustomed to where we are. So not to prolong this, but wanting to make that declaration, releasing you from those expectations primarily, releasing you to lead this church the way that God has designed you to do. And um, if there's anything that Leah and I can do in that process to uh, augment what you're doing and what God speaks for you to do. We're absolutely more than happy to do that. We're on an assignment as well. That's our assignment is different. Our role has shifted. We're, we're, God has spoken to us directly to go into the marketplace. 
But if you're going to go into the marketplace and you're going to do marketplace ministry and have an influence in the marketplace, you have to, in my opinion, have a healthy church for the, 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 the people that you're able to influence and draw toward the kingdom have a place to go to. Um, and so you're absolutely essential to be able to augment what God has shifted us into. And uh, so with that said, uh, Lee and I just want to lay hands on you and... and uh, and uh, would you stand with me, if you would, please, just in agreement. Um, Father, we thank you today for this shift. I thank you today for a release um, from Leah and I um, to Quentin and Jen. Lord, that they may grow and expand and to develop into in their giftings. Lord, that they would have the freedom in their heart to explore the desires of your heart for this body and this community. I thank you, Father, for your grace being released over them and your abundance and your kindness and your generosity being released over them, that they can become all that you've destined them to be. I thank you, Lord, that there's trust in our hearts toward one another, and that trust is rooted firmly in our relationship with you. And so, Lord, as we trust you, you will give us the grace to concede in areas that we need to concede in and and launch forward in areas that need to be launched forward and then at times just agree to disagree. I thank you, God, for the grace to be able to pursue the things that you've placed on Lee and I's heart for the future and let this body grow and expand, Lord, with, with relationship and understanding of who you are as it comes from the heart of this couple. Thank you for the preparation that they've done and the persistence with which they have pursued you and they have 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 held themselves accountable to your word and to those that have been in authority over them in the past. I thank you, Lord God, that as they go forward, that they will operate in the abundance that you've designed and destined for them. And God, that they would not shrink back from anything that you have spoken in their hearts to pursue. And I pray that you would give us as a body the, the, the willingness and the, and the desire and the, and the courage and the finances to be able to augment all that you've placed within their heart. So I thank you, God, for your favor being released to them today. I thank you, Lord, for releasing fresh vision, not leftovers from the era that we we led, but, God, the, the freshness this, this body needs. It doesn't need to languish in the past. It needs to launch forward into the future. And so together we launch forward into the future. We open our hearts to your desires and your plans and your ways and your purposes. And God, we learn to trust at a whole new level. I learned, Lord, to trust at a whole new level. And I thank you, Lord, for giving me the wisdom to stay thy out of the way. And I thank you, Lord God, for your favor. I thank you for your favor being released over this body for such a time as this. Give them favor in the community, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for giving them an understanding of our climate and our culture and our our, our way of life here, Lord, it's different than the South. But, Lord, you, you called them here, and we trust you to fix all of that. So, Lord, I bless them. I release them. The Father's blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, taking care of business.
It's a new day, amen? amen? We are, in spite of the fact that it's a new day and we can launch and do the things and release and the things that we have to do, it doesn't underestimate or, or, or marginalize the fact that we have lost a dear brother uh, that has impacted all of our lives in a very significant way. And um, it's going to be an interesting week. We've got a whole uh, series of things to help facilitate um, in the, the wishes of the family and, and how that they desire to go forward. Friday being the public event where um, uh, we'll have the celebration of his life, uh, Sam's life. And um, But it's okay to mourn. It's very scriptural to mourn. Sometimes in the, in the faith community, we don't want to deal with anything negative. We don't want to have to, you know, speak anything that's out of, out of uh, you know, negativity. It's not negative to understand that our, our physical man is designed to mourn when we've lost something close, someone close to us. And, um, and so we have to bring balance at times to the real life issues that we face as a family. And we've lost a brother. And um, we know he's in a great place and he's he's a lot happier than we are today. He understands things that we um, aren't going to understand until we get where he is. But um, so continue to pray for Stacy and the children and her family and for one another and um, that we can certainly regroup and go forward. Pray for Jim Dimmitt. Those were that was a, a two couples that were inseparable. And so for Jim to have lost his best friend um, after just months ago losing his primary best friend um, is, I cannot imagine it. And so continue, please, to pray and lift them up. And as the Lord puts them on your heart, continue to uh, just ask for God's abundance to, to operate in their life right now. Amen. All right. So... A few months ago, several months ago, actually, back in the beginning of the of the the spring, for whatever reason, I was asked to speak, and and I shared with you a bit about trajectory. Um, trajectory is is kind of like a, a term that you hear a lot in in uh, if if you watch any kind of police shows or crime shows or any of that stuff. You know, the trajectory of a bullet. You know, they have these little rods that they create the path of the of the bullet and I, I don't know my wife likes that stuff and 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 I have kind of grown a, to like it as well the mystery of it and etc etc god bless america so but the trajectory um is important in a christian's life or in a person's life um you want to know where you're going um you know that if you shoot a weapon you want to know where that bullet is going to end up you want to shoot in a direction that is not going to harm somebody or, or something. But surely as you pull the trigger, trigger, that bullet is going somewhere. Amen? It's headed. And um, depending on where you pointed it is where that bullet is going to end up. And a lot of times we, we, um, we shoot and we've aimed and the bullet doesn't end up where we aimed for some strange reason. Um, but... I guess that's just practice. In Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, Can two walk together unless they be agreed, without being in agreement on the direction that they're going in? So can two walk together unless they be agreed? 
How many of you know that if you're a husband and a wife or, or, or you, you're a, a, maybe a son or a daughter, maybe you're an employer or employee, there has to be an agreement for things to work well. Amen? It's a biblical principle that works in all areas of our life. If we're not in agreement with those that are around us, then there's going to be challenge. It's going to be difficulty. There's going to be, um, uh, you know, challenge. And so we, f- we do our best along our journey to come into agreement with, one, the direction that God has for our life, and then to be in harmony and unity with those around us. So can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? If you, if you are walking with somebody and one of you all of a sudden decides to go 180 degrees in the opposite direction and you're, um, you're, the other is not aware of the directional change and maybe you're arm in arm or you're holding hands or whatever, somebody's going to get their arm jerked out of the socket, right? So there has to be an agreement not to get hurt. I was riding to work this morning. You waited for it. I was I was no, I was riding over to work, and Austin was with me. And um, this squirrel was coming out of the woods. You know how they do when they come out of the woods and they're headed across the road. And uh, <laughs> Austin told me I was going to use this in my sermon, so um, he's laughing at me right now. He's just glad I'm not using him for a change. So the squirrel is headed out of the woods and I see it coming. And you know how, you know how that, that doesn't always end well, right? For a, for a squirrel, a chipmunk or whatever, skunk, porcupine, whatever. Um, you know, when they head across the road, they're taking their, they're taking their life in their own hands and they're, they're entering, you know, a, a dangerous territory. So this squirrel, you could see he was just headed, headed across the road in front of me. And all of a sudden, it's like, you could see like the whole, his whole front end went right into the ground and he was, he was, he had decided that he was going to change trajectory. And so he stopped right at the edge of the road and he turned around and went the other, the other way. And I just turned to Austin and I said, he made a good choice. He made a really good choice because it wouldn't have ended well if he had ended up in the front of my truck. So in the same fashion, we have to make decisions on our journey that end well. We want to have the wisdom to look ahead, to know where we're pointed, to know where we're headed, so that our our journey produces fruit and it ends well. How many of you have made decisions along your journey that haven't ended well? You didn't stop at the edge of the road, you just kept going, right? And uh, it ended you up in a ditch somewhere or or in a bad spot. We've all been there, so you don't have to feel like you're the only one by any stretch. We've all made choices that have ended us up in a spot that we wish that we hadn't ended up in. God is a, a, a master at taking the dumb stuff that we do and fixing it if we let him in. Amen? Um, he's had to fix a lot of my messes. He's had to fix a lot of directional changes in, in my life where I didn't make decisions that I that would have ended me in a better place. That's the awesome thing about God. He doesn't cast us away because we've made a bad decision. He just helps to fix it 
and gives us the wisdom to know how to make better choices in the future. I'm so thankful for the instruction that says when we have messed up, when we have sinned, we have an advocate now with the Father. We can go directly to Jesus, uh, go directly to the Father in the name of Jesus. We can repent of our sin. We can repent of that decision that we made that led us in the wrong direction. And he brings forgiveness just like that. So we don't have to stay out in the cold. We don't have to stay in that, that, that spot where we're just feeling miserable about ourselves. Now we will continue a lot of times to do that to ourselves, don't we? God forgives us. His word says He forgives us. But we have a hard time believing that and operating in that truth. And so we like to languish in, in, or maybe we don't like to. We just kind of do it to ourselves. Somehow we kind of feel better about ourselves if we treat ourselves badly because of what we've done. Um, and kind of like, you know, you don't deserve to feel free from that, so be miserable for a few weeks, and then you're, you're, you can catch up with God's forgiveness. The truth is, God's forgiveness happened as soon as you asked. And He released you from that error as soon as you asked. So why waste the next two weeks? Amen? Paul's very good at, at bringing balance to the whole thing. Don't use the forgiveness of God as a license to keep on sinning. The point is, is that we want to Learn from the things that we do out of that's an error and 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 uh, head in a right direction. The Gospels are a story of Jesus and his journey with humanity, but primarily the Gospels are a, a story of Jesus's journey with twelve guys, interacting with the community, pouring out his life and love and in just amazing ways that was shocking to everybody. They hadn't seen the kingdom of God in operation in the way that Jesus brought it to, the, to, the, to their culture ever. They were used to a religious system that put um, just incredible uh, demands on them. And Jesus brought some truth and order, brought the heart of the Father to them and brought liberty and freedom. But do you know that as the disciples were walking with him, most of the time they didn't get it? Most of the time, they couldn't understand. It's like us trying to understand that God's forgiven us when we've asked Him to forgive us and really receiving that as, as an actual truth. How, how, how we struggle with that. How we struggle with that concept because our culture doesn't allow us to be forgiven from our mis- mistakes or our, our error easily. We're a payment-oriented society, you know. You're going to pay for your sin. And there's certainly repercussions from the dumb stuff that we do. But God forgives us when we ask. And it would behoove us to receive that as quickly as possible. Because our trajectory is going to be affected by how we receive it or don't receive it. You're weak. After asking forgiveness and repenting before the Lord, your week and your month will have a different trajectory based on how you receive or don't receive His forgiveness. Right? We just described how that if you do receive His forgiveness, you can go forward in freedom. You can release yourself from two weeks of pain and suffering. (laughs) It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. I can see the wheels are just turning right now. And you're like, 
No, but really, really, we need to be in pain for a while after. See the trajectory thing? We choose the way we go forward. We choose that trajectory. God has established a trajectory that will end us in a good place. And so many times we're working against him. A lot of times if we would receive that forgiveness quickly, there would be such a memory of that, that when we go into that place, it wouldn't be a desire for license. It would be like, you know what? Why do I even want that? This is such a better spot when I operate in his freedom. This is so much better of a spot than going back to that issue over and over. So the Gospels are the story of Jesus and his journey with his with humanity, but primarily with the disciples. Jesus was helping them to trade in the hardened hearts of stone that they had acquired for hearts that would receive and believe. They had over the years ended up with hearts that were hardened, hearts that had been molded by incorrect information. Hearts that had been molded by a religious system that wasn't absolutely correct or in order. Their motives had to be examined. Filters had to be changed. Paradigms had to shift. Kingdom seed had to be sown. They had to die to to the controls and expectations of the religious systems that they had been involved in for so long. You have to understand that they were in a cultural religious system that was generations old. There were ways of doing things that they didn't question anymore. There was laws that were established that actually were fence laws around the laws that God had established that didn't wasn't a part of the plan at all, God's plan at all, but they had received those fence laws and they had lived by them and they had been restrained by them for so long that they thought that it was normal. That's why in your pursuit of God, don't allow a religious system, whether it's celebration life or your past experience in another uh, denomination or another religious system or lack thereof, whatever, Don't allow that system to dictate your forward movement. Your forward movement really should be based out of, like the disciples' transitional walk in the New Testament, out of a relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus will cause you to walk in a path that is true and right, and it will bring order. That doesn't mean that we don't have to have the body of Christ to help make sure that we're walking in the right path. That's why there's a body. That's why God put us in fellowship. It's absolutely God's intention. Brilliant. That Pastor Quentin chose to start speaking on community. He could have spoken on a million subjects in coming here. He could have started with anything. I didn't care what he started with. I was just glad he was here. I didn't even think about what he was going to start with. I just was glad he was here. They were here. And he chose to start with community. He chose to start with establishing relationship and community. And that is so much the heart of God. That is so much what takes us out of the systems that have dictated our destiny into relationship with one another, relationship with the Father, through Jesus. And when we enter into those, that relationship, 
everything changes. They entered into the relationship with Jesus and everything changed. The disciples entered into this this trajectory with Jesus. It was going to change everything for them. There were times that they would be so frustrated with the process that they just wanted to go back and go fishing, which they did on one, one occasion. But Jesus had this amazing way of drawing them out of their trajectory to go back. You know, that word and in, in, uh, that statement in uh, uh, surrounding the exodus um, when Moses was leading his people out and it got tough and, and uh, they were wandering around in the wilderness because of their disobedience and all the stuff that was going on. And they longed, it says, for the leeks and the onions. Um, I, you know, I don't know so, so great about leeks and onions, but they longed for the wonderful things that were in Egypt. Well, they forgot that they were beating, getting the stuff beat out of them all the time. They forgot that they were slaves. They forgot all of the stuff. And for some reason, they must have been really good leeks and onions because they remembered them and wanted to go back. Why? Because their trajectory to freedom was not a road that was super easy. Our road to freedom is not an easy road, necessarily. Our walk with Jesus is not an easy road, necessarily. It's going to cause us to examine ourselves. It's going to cause us to die to our old nature. It's going to cause us to evaluate who we really are. This transition for Lee and I has been very difficult in some respects. We were used to doing life a certain way for over 20 years. Just kind of had it down. We knew what to do. We knew what to say. We knew what to respond and blah, blah, blah and whatever. But the truth is, God's just absolutely shaken up our life. And I think partly because we were willing to let him shake it up. You know. He shared with us about the whole warrior king sage, and I've spoken on that. And I don't really have time to go into it, but it's just the seasons of a, of a man's life according to John Eldridge. And um, that warrior king sage things puts us in a frame of, of, of mind that there's different things that happen in, in a man and woman's life at different seasons in their life, different assignments, different responsibilities. And I didn't want to be that person that was trying to be a warrior, which is in kind of their 20s and 30s age. I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be the the, the king in his 40s and 50s trying to still be a warrior. I didn't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that when the season changed, I want to be able to shift into that season. And I actually want want to be able to psychologically begin that shift as it's supposed to happen, not catching me off guard. And so part of, I believe, what God is doing is preparing me not just for, for operating as a king, because I'm doing that, but preparing me for the, the sage years when, I'll, when the primary responsibility of a sage is to gather kings around them and to speak into king's life. But if you're a sage or you're a king and you're still trying to be a warrior, one, you're undermining the effectiveness of the warriors that are supposed to be under your discipleship. So if you're getting older and it's frustrating the stuff out of you, it's part of the plan. It's part of your trajectory. God designed us that way. He appointed us to live our life and one day we're going to be face to face with him. It's the trajectory. Every human being is on that trajectory. What we do in the meantime has got a little leeway. 
And, um, and so each one of us has to make choices along our way whether we're going to continue trying to be what we've been or if God's shifting us, led us to be powerful in that next season. The, the amazing thing is, is that next season requires you to have another level of trust for him that you'd kind of maybe gotten used to operating without. We get used to what we're comfortable with. How many of you have, have gone through your whole career and you've been something? Dr. Ben was a chiropractor. Pick you out. You've been something. And all of a sudden, you come to retirement and that stops. And now you're something else. And redefining what you are, who you are, based on the next season, that's a huge shift. And we need to prepare for those shifts. What I did this morning was really an example of what we have to do in releasing another generation to be powerful in the season that they're in. He's a warrior. He's a warrior. He's headed into his king years. Guess what? He's going to be a powerful king. But he's finishing up those warrior years, and uh, I'm done being a warrior. I'm done being a warrior. Even coming into the assignment that I'm in now, I'm not a warrior. Those guys are out there lifting stuff, and I'm just looking at them saying, get a loader. You know? <laughs> get a bobcat or something. My gosh, man, you're, you're killing me. And, uh, but they don't think about it. I watch my sons, and they're leaping off of you know, these banks and you know, just rolling and stuff. And I'm like, you know, it hurts just watching them. And your, your feet, man, you gotta, you got to take care of your feet. They're going to hurt one day. And, uh, but that's the season that they're in. And they're healthy and they're strong and they can run like the wind and nothing phases them. Let them do that. That's awesome. Don't shut that down. You know, don't, don't, don't rob the younger generation of that adventure that they're on because soon they'll be entering another season. And, and, and if we, as an example, can release each one of, you know, we can release one another into those seasons, then their trajectory will be powerful. They'll have a clear definition of where they're headed because they've had somebody go before them that's not trying to keep their spot. You know, I want Quentin and Jen to have the freedom to walk in this spot and not be hindered by me all the time. I don't want them to be thinking, oh, what is he thinking? I'm not thinking anything. i got stuff to do. I'm on another journey. You know, I'm not thinking anything. I just want to sit in church and cry and have my moment and let Jesus touch me and then go back about what I'm doing. You're doing your part. If I'm crying, you're doing your part. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, he made me cry during his message. I'm like, that's all I care about. You know? It's got to be good if I'm crying. Because when your heart gets hard, you know, that's not a good thing. So, so uh, keep up the good work. And so, Jesus was helping them to trade in their hardened hearts of stone for hearts that would receive and believe. You know, it's difficult to let go of an old system, an old trajectory, an old way of life, 
an old way of thinking. Boy, it's hard to change, isn't it? For some reason, we're just wired to hold on until Jesus comes. And, uh, you know, just hold the line. Hallelujah. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, when, when we embrace what God is doing in our life, when we take that risk for the new season that we're in, you guys launched from Fort Fairfield. What were you thinking? You know, you just launch. You know, you start. When I first talked to Tammy at the, the pitch, you know, she, the first words about that came out of her mouth were, well, we're, we're here to do marketplace ministry. I had just left our world in North Carolina. My wife was still um, on her way here or whatever. And I heard her make that declaration that God had picked them up out of their comfortable place in Fort Fairfield with a happy church and all the stuff. Mark, Pastor Mark was their pastor, the one that was interning here for in, entering pastoring for a while. And they picked up and they launched to this region to be ministering in the marketplace. That that like excited me because I felt like, okay, God's up to something. I knew it was up to something with me, but when all of a sudden you hear the same thing from somebody that you have no idea of and, and you're in an environment where it's like a sports place, you know, you're just not expecting somebody to say, oh, yeah, I'm using this for the glory of God. It's it's that was awesome. And then right along the same lines comes Allison and from the same arena, then their family. And so all of a sudden you realize that God's bringing people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. You guys have all came from somewhere. God assigned you to this spot. You're not here by mistake. Maybe it's just a season. We're so happy that you're here for the season. And we desire to create an environment where you can grow and develop, even if it's just for a couple of months. And maybe help to shift your thinking in a way that lines up with God's plan for your life right now. Because even if you don't think that he has a plan for your life, God has a plan for your life that's fresh, it's new, it's alive. You don't have to be living in, in, the, in, the, in something that's already died in your life, you know, in your heart. There's no more vision for it. If you're in that spot, God's got something that he wants to open your heart and your eyes to. You're going to have to take a risk like these disciples did. What did they do? He said, come follow me. At that moment, they had a decision to make. You had a decision to make, right? God said, come follow me to Camden, Maine, Rockport, Maine, whatever. Do the pitch. I'm going to use that spot for kingdom influence. You had a choice. You could have stayed up there. It's got to be great snowmobiling up there for three quarters of the year. <laughs> you left that to come here? <laughs> But the truth is, you said yes. Has it been easy? No. No, this is the mid-coast. This is a tough spot. People told us that we couldn't really do what we've done here. You know, it's not possible to start a spirit-filled church in this region. It just doesn't happen. My dad told me that. He said, I, I've watched a bunch of people try to do that. I hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> I didn't, but God did. God does. And when he tells you to do something and you'll obey, then he'll make something amazing out of it. So I'm telling you today, 
that God's wanting to establish, has established a trajectory for your life. This is in Jeremiah 29, 11. He has a plan for your life. It's a good plan. He wants to bless you and prosper you and do good to you and not harm. So that's a good thing, right? But we have to come into agreement with his process for all that abundance to flow. You can't just be going off in your own direction, right? Saying, thanks God for everything. I'm going over this way, you know. We have to be in agreement with what he's doing, you know. So their paradigms were changing, but they had to come into agreement with that process. When I came back, I started working with my brother. And um, I talked about him the last time I was here. I preached and he wasn't here. Um, so I said a lot more than I'm going to say today. <laughs> so uh, but many of you have come up to me several times in the interim and, and have referenced that, that those thoughts that I had about my brother. So he's going to be scrambling to go through all the podcasts and find out what I said. Probably not. But my brother has forced me. Now get this. He's not like my elder brother. You know what I mean? That you, you know, the older guy, he's all the wisdom. He's like 11 years younger than me. And God launches me into this whole marketplace thing with him as the owner of our business. And he's my boss. My little brother is my boss. How weird is that? How awkward is that, you know, if you want to be in charge and be like Micah being Austin, being Micah's boss. That would be weird. Um, That would be totally different than the way things have been for several years. My two sons. But the truth of, of the matter is, when I followed the Holy Spirit's leading to come into agreement with him and the trajectory that we're on for this business, I have grown exponentially under his leadership. He had parts and pieces of my growth and development that needed to happen, and I couldn't get it where I was. And so God shifts things all around, and I'm growing to a completely different level under my little brother's tutelage. Now, typically, if we keep our traditional mindset, the elder doesn't serve the younger type of thing. But if we're willing to let God shake things up, he'll do stuff in you that you wouldn't imagine using the resources that he desires to use. They had a hard time letting go of their traditional system, the the disciples. But look what God did with them when they were willing to shift their trajectory in a kingdom sort of way. These guys let their lives be changed by Jesus. They let their direction be changed by Jesus. Jesus was recalibrating the disciples' way of thinking and acting. He was constantly changing their filters to get them to think eternally and go beyond what they had seen and could see. Their leaders were were just constantly harassing them about not working on Sunday. You know, don't pick up too many sticks. You can pick up six sticks, and if you pick up seven, then now you're working and you're going to be flogged or something. The traditions of men. Later on in Scripture, Jesus told the disciples, not the disciples, he told the Pharisees, 
because of your religious ways, because of your traditions, you've made the kingdom of God of none effect in the lives of the people that you're supposed to be serving. And he rebuked them because they were putting weights and measures on people that he did not intend for them to carry. And so be careful if your system, your way of doing life has put you in restraint to such a degree that you can no longer hear the voice of God. It says their hearts were hardened. In the scriptures that I'm supposed to be using, it says it. I just haven't been using them. Sorry. Yeah, maybe she's putting them up behind me as I go. I don't know, but... but um. Maybe this one will make sense. And when they saw him walking on the water, it's in Mark chapter 6 and verse 49. They saw him walking on the water. They supposed that it was a ghost and cried out. For all they, they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately he talked to them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And when he went up into the boat to them, the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves, because their hearts were hardened. See, they were trying to... They loved what they saw. They loved the experience that they were having with this man, Jesus. He was totally blowing their mind. And everything that he did was just eye-popping. It was stuff they hadn't seen in generations. They knew that there was something, you know, God kingdom about this man. They knew their hearts burned within them, it says, about the road to Emmaus. Because they knew that there was something about him, but yet because of their journey, because of their prior trajectory, their hearts had become hardened because they had slipped out of relationship with the Father and they had slipped into relationship with the religion. Every time you slip out of relationship with the Father and you slip into relationship with tradition or religion, not that all tradition is bad, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't misread what I'm saying, there's great traditions and God bless America. But we don't want that to rob us of our relationship with Jesus, with us having a heart that's softened to hear the voice of God and to listen for His instruction that keeps us going in a direction that's His, not necessarily the opinions of everybody that's around us. And there's going to be a lot of them. So it says in verse 52, for they had not understood about, see, they're still, they're looking at this whole thing with the, with Jesus walking on the water. Now their mind's blown again. And they're still struggling with him feeding the 5,000 people with two fishes and four loaves or six, whatever. Didn't really matter. Just a little bit of food, a whole lot of people. He's doing his thing and amazingly so. And they're still trying to wrap their brain around, how did you do that? What happened? We've never seen that happen before. You don't, fish just don't multiply. We've been there. We've, we've, you know, we've caught them. You sell a fish for a certain amount of money and that's all you're going to get. You cook a trout and that trout is, that's what you're going to get two sides and, and that's it. But he takes two and some bread and the next thing you know, everybody's full. And they're picking up the fragments and it's more than what they started with. So now he's walking on water and they're trying to figure out still what happened with the loaves and the fishes. And, and they're trying to work through the filters that have been established by their prior trajectory. 
Don't underestimate the journey that those guys went on to become what God had destined them to be. I'm not underestimating the journey that you've been on and the decisions that you've made to be sitting in this room today. Some of you have made choices to exit environments that are not happy about where you are right now. Family members are disturbed because you're in this crazy church. Whatever. You keep your focus on where Jesus is taking you. Remember the disciples. Remember their journey. Remember that their whole world view had to shift for them to eventually take the gospel of the kingdom to the far reaches of the earth. And they touched every corner of the then known world with the message of the kingdom. But the three years that they spent with Jesus radically changed their life. So while we're on our trajectory of trying to be good people and trying not to sin and trying to be good, trying to earn God's favor, which we're not even supposed to be trying to do. While we're going down that road, that's a, that's a trajectory that is futile, futile, right? Whatever, I, it's futile. The scripture says that there's none righteous, no, not one. Our righteousness, if we're left to ourselves, is like filthy rags. It just doesn't have any substance to it but mess and yuck. So we're totally and thoroughly dependent on the grace of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God. If he lives in us, we live. If he doesn't live in us, we die. So the idea that we're somehow earning our righteousness is not scriptural. Somehow we're earning that forgiveness that we finally made ourselves feel bad enough long enough so that, okay, now, I, now I'm, I've been good enough for a few days so that I can receive God's forgiveness. It's just, it's, it's just awful, really. It's confusing. It stops what God's, God's grace work in us. And it turns it into this weird work thing that, that isn't supposed to happen anyway. And we're wasting a whole lot of time doing it. So the idea that we're wanting to be righteous and wanting to have the design of God in us, His heart and His, His heart in us, the softened heart that He releases to us is not just to be empowered to be good. That's just a byproduct from the relationship that we have with Him. He'll cause us to become righteous through His grace and through His mercy and through His love and through relationship. You know, all of that grows, you know, as, as we go. But what is He after? He's looking for us to be, first of all, in relationship with Him. He wants us to be in relationship with Him because why? He wants to empower us to be everything that He's destined for us to be. He, let's not kid ourselves. He knows that we're not going to make it every time. He knows that we're not going to make the right decision every time. Again, it doesn't give us a license to not do the right thing or make our best effort. But he knows that we're not going to do the right thing every time. And he's made provision for that because of our nature, our human nature. So as we're dying to ourselves, that error is going to diminish over time as we continue our relationship with him. So if our whole thing is about being good, you know, 
wow, I'm successful this week because I didn't sin a lot. Awesome. That's, that's really, that is really good. That's, that's a, that is a part of it. But that's not what this journey is about, us just simply getting to a place where we're good. We want to fulfill the mandate that God has placed on our life. And you start potentially fulfilling the mandate that he placed on your life the day you give your life to him. That's step one. You give your life to Jesus and boom, you start your journey. You're not a trained professional. The biggest problem that we have is when we feel like we've become a trained professional and we've got it all figured out and now we're just going to tell everybody what we know. I thoroughly believe that the reason that God shifted things up in my life is because I was probably way too comfortable doing what I was doing. And now I'm out totally uncomfortable being bossed around by my little brother pulling stuff out of me that I didn't think existed making me have patience and endurance and stuff in a in an environment that I'm not used to why because God's determination for my life is to cause me to become a person that he can become all that he's destined in me to become. And that I can accomplish everything that He's destined for me to accomplish. And if my whole life is spent on, oh, I, was, I was good two days in a row, I was good. Oh, two days in a row. I'm going to write a book now because I did two days in a row. Or maybe I made six days in a row. Or maybe I've been a... That is not what it's about. Not undermining being righteous and doing the right thing. But in doing the right thing, there's so much more beyond just doing the right thing. It's become effective in His kingdom. And the day you got saved, He empowered you to take a message to the people around you that haven't had that message affect their life yet. You, all you may know is you don't... Maybe I didn't use all my scriptures today for illustrate this point. You may not know a whole bunch of scriptures. And your heart may have been hardened through the filters of your, your experience and, and the unknowns and all the chaos that's out there. But what you have now when you gave your life to Christ, you have a message of transformation. You know something happened inside of you when you gave your life to Christ. It's undeniable. When you surrender your life to Christ, something happens on the inside of you. And now you have a message to preach. You may not even know what happened in you. But something happened and something changed. And God began to work in you in that moment. And so part of your trajectory now is to take the message of the kingdom, the life-changing message of the kingdom, into the community, into the marketplace, letting God be who he's destined for you to be. Why? Because his heart is for the individual, but his heart is for the entire world. And we're in charge of this region. As a Christian, we're in charge of this region. That's why your job is so important. And I know it's hard. And I know you don't have a lot of support all the time. And it's counter to the culture. But keep doing what you're doing because God told you to come here for such a time as this. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Brought you some reinforcements, right? 
He's got you. He's got you. And you're making a difference. You're establishing a place of righteousness in this region. That's what this church has always been. And, and God desires for it to continue to be. And I believe these guys are, are going to take it in that direction. A place where the message can go forward and people's lives can change. It's not the idea that everybody's right and there's no wrong and we just continue to do what is right in our own eyes. That's not kingdom at all. It's pretty clear about what's right and what's wrong. So it's not a matter of everybody just doing whatever they want to and we're just all in this one unified, happy family. No, there's instructions that's pretty explicit for us to follow. But make sure it's Him. Make sure it's Him. Amen? Because when it's Him establishing the trajectory, the journey, the focus, the heart, when it's Jesus that's changing the heart, you're going to not only give a message, but you'll give it in the right way. You'll give it in the right attitude. You'll release it with a spirit that has life attached to it and not death. That's the way Jesus works. That's the way Jesus works. He loves people, and he knows he can change their life if they'll give him a chance. He's changed our life, but I suspect that based on what I'm seeing right now in my own life, he's got a whole lot more that he wants to do through me. We can settle into just a, well, I'm getting older now. I'm not a warrior anymore. I'm a king. And we can get complacent being a king. No, the demand on your life now is much greater in the sense that he's asked you to be responsible for a group of warriors. i got three warriors, or, well, they're not really warriors yet, a couple of warriors in my house. My son Micah, the cowboy guys, whatever. But they're going to shift to be warriors. Not just their dad. I'm a king. Not so they will just take out the trash for me. It's kind of like being good. You know what I mean? God's like, oh, I saved you. Now you be good. That's just twisted. So my idea of having a son as a king is not just to have a servant to take care of stuff. No. As a king, my job is to empower these guys to run like the wind, to let God use them in an amazing way to see them do great and mighty exploits, not shutting them down so that they don't take away from my thing. You know what I mean? As a king, we step back, gather those warriors around us, and we speak life into them, speak direction, speak their future, speak to their destiny. You know, a lot of times as Christians, we want to point out everybody's sin. It's times we've got to do that. It's time when it's in order. Sometimes as parents, all we want to do is, you know, you did this wrong, and 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 you've got to get this right. If you keep doing this, let's think about what they're doing right. Let's think about something that they're excelling at and affirm that. Speak to that. Draw it out of them. You know, they, they may not. All of you kids, close your ears. Just close your ears. 
They may not be the best at picking up their room. And that's partly because they've been wired by God for something different than what it takes to keep your room spotless. My daughter, Christy, and I'm closing with this, has, um, she went through five years of, of college. Art, psychology major, ended up with almost two bachelors, one bachelor and almost another one. Five classes short, I think, of two bachelors in the five years. I was like, okay, what is that? You know, she was thinking along the lines of art therapy. She couldn't keep her room clean ever. I mean, it was a never was clean. My wife finally just gave up and would shut her door. And sometimes when she was gone, she would go in and like give it a complete total makeover. Like uh, sheetrock came out, flooring removed. (laughs) So she's now a chef in a restaurant in Portland. It took her a while to get there. She had to let go of the expectations of her degree. And she's now doing what we've known she loved to do from the time she was a kid. You could give her a plate of food and she would turn her peas and carrots and broccoli and squash and whatever into a work of art. And then she would maybe eat it, depending on what she had to do to it to get it there. And so instead of fighting that journey, we had to release her. Instead of her college being a waste of time and money, we released her into what she loved to do. And in two years, she's at Boone's Fish House in Portland. Um serving anywhere between 800 and 1,300 plates a day. She is the head chef under the owner over all the chefs, and she's a girl. She said, Dad, you know girls don't get, don't get to do this very often. It's kind of a, for some weird reason, it's kind of a man's world. I didn't realize that. Maybe it's just at their place. But my point is this. It may feel like you're going in a direction that's completely opposite of what you're used to, what's expected of you, what your family might think that you should be doing. But if God is inspiring you to go, just do it. Just launch. Amen? And watch Him do amazing things in your life. Father, I thank You for this spot that we're in. Such amazing people. Uh, Your people are amazing their persistence, their ability to trust you through difficult times, their ability to absorb messages from your word and then, and then activate them in their life. It's just amazing to see you working, to see hungry, to see thirsty, to see, you know, to see the, the pain of the journey at times and the, and the hardship of it, but then to see the joy when, when, uh, when the light comes on and they realize that they, they were headed in the right direction. In spite of what was being said or thought around them, it just kept going in the right direction. The direction that you planned for them. 
Father, give us the courage to do that. Give us the courage to do that. Give this body the courage to embrace a a pastor and his wife that have a, a vision for this region. A vision for them, for their growth and development. But God, most of all, free us from the filters of our past. Free us from the prisons of our past. And release us into the abundance of the future that you've designed for us. Freedom to take an adventure with you. Freedom from chastising ourselves over and over. Receiving your forgiveness and running with it. In the midst of the assignments that have already been received, give us courage, Father, to operate with your heart in the midst of it. And Lord, as we have received assignment to this region, God, we desire this region to respond to your word and to your life. It's flowing through each and every one of us. Today, Father, we surrender to your plan in a fresh new way. We surrender to your desire and purposes for our life. This week ahead is is a week where we're going to minister to a family that's broken and hurting. Lord, give us the grace to just love unconditionally and to shower them with abundance and with grace that can only come from you. And we just thank you, Father, for your abundance and your life being released over this congregation as we transition in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for your undivided attention. Pastor Quentin's going to come and, and uh, share some instructions for the remainder of the service. I can tell you This is bad lit, isn't it? Look at this. Uh, There we go. Short guy. Uh, Miss Cindy, can you throw up Mark chapter 6 there really quick? That verse he was at. I just want to kind of give a thought. Great message, by the way. Amen? Amen. Um, Just one thought really here before we we go. I think it was verse 48 or something like that. Verse 49 is what I want to look at. Um, You know, obviously in the room today, there's, there's been people that... Uh, have experienced that trajectory uh, that Pastor Brian talked about, and obviously a few people are mentioned. You know, were mentioned earlier, but uh, just something kind of hit me a while ago, and I want to share it. You know, but obviously I have Vicky here today. Uh, you know, not too long ago she uprooted her family, her boys, and uh, because she felt like God was leading her to go to North Carolina, uh, I just came from there, much different place, and she's. She's probably one of the few people in the room that understands what we're going through right now about the, the different change. Uh, you know, but there, there came a point uh, where she had to believe that that was God and she had to make a decision. You know, obviously with Tammy a while ago and, and Robbie and even Allison and Glenn and their families, there came a point where God was stirring something so much inside of them that they knew that they knew that they knew that this is God and we got to do something. So, you know, even these guys, once again... Uh, you know, I was talking to a, a mutual pastor friend the other day, 
that we all worked on staff together at one time. And, and, he's, and he's still not saying it was wrong, but still trying to wrap his mind around the fact that Brian isn't in full-time ministry, but that he stepped out and came to a marketplace, uh, you know, ministry. And a lot of people have even looked at these guys going, man, are they missing God? What are they doing? But, you know, even us being there walking that process with them saw God change and stir and, and you know, do all those things in him for uh, the future trajectory. Uh, you know, even mentioned Josh earlier. You know, Josh worked with their other brother for years. And then there was a time to step off from that and to go do uh, his own business. You know, even Jennifer and I, uh, you know, with four little kids, changing the world that, uh, you know, same thing. We were really comfortable, really had a lot of success. God was really moving, really enjoying the fruit of our labors. But, but uh, you know, the trajectory to step out and to go do greater things or maybe the next season, the shifting that was there. So, listen, you may be here today and it may not be something that dramatic, but I think it's really hard to hear a message like that and not be stirred and go, God, what's the future trajectory that you have for me as an individual and our family and somehow feel a, a burning passion? Is anybody with me? Am I making sense today? Okay. So I want to show you a verse. Did, did, did you find that verse? Okay. Can you throw it up there? I just, I just felt like there's just a, a bit of encouragement that was from the Lord. What's that? Mark chapter 6. 49. Yeah, 40. It's the one that he used. The one he used when he was preaching. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Maybe I should have been a little clearer. So um, watch this. I, I want to show you something that just stuck out a while ago, and I just want to say this to encourage you guys. It says, when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. Um, go, go to the next. Go. Actually, is that where it started? Okay. For they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately he talked with them and said to them, uh, be of good cheer. Here's what I want you to say to, or here today as you're feeling what you're feeling and going, you know, because the bottom line, that can be scary. Change is scary. Shifting is scary. Stepping into a new season is scary. But I feel like the Lord wants us to hear this. It is I. Do not be afraid. That's, and that's really where just trust comes in. Amen. Amen. It, listen, it doesn't matter if you're if you're 15 years old or if you're 85 in here. There is a new season that's coming. God's either preparing you for that season and he's got a purpose for you there. Don't be afraid because he's going to walk with you in it. Amen. Amen. So, listen, uh, before we leave today, I just want to uh, share a few things. Uh, and Roger's going to come. And if you can, just kind of be patient. We, we have some things we need to handle today. So, uh, Roger, if you can go ahead and come up. Uh, let me make this announcement before he, he makes an announcement. Uh, remember, next week... Don't come up too far. Come on. Don't be afraid. <laughs> You're going first. No, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, I just got one thing and then we'll go. So, hey, let's remember next week, uh, you know, it's October 31st. What is that? It's daylight savings time, right? So make sure you uh, set your clock back next week. Remember, we fall back, spring forward. So, uh, so you're not an hour late to church next week, okay? So uh, we've experienced that. Been at church before and, and literally watch an hour later the congregation grow by hundreds. And so, so, you know, we don't really have the ability to do that here. Okay, so, so if you can, make sure you show up on time. Just set your clock. Um, Roger's going to tell us really quick uh, about a quick announcement, and then we'll transition here.